What's shaking Fire Nation? JLD here with an audio masterclass on will the coronavirus create a data breach in your company? To drop these value bombs, I have brought Jody Daniels on the mic. She is the founder and CEO of Red Clover Advisors, a boutique privacy consultancy that helps companies build customer trust while complying with global privacy laws such as GDPR and CCPA. In Fire Nation, today we'll be talking about identifying phishing email, how to create the best password, what a company's biggest security risk is right now, and so much more as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. If you want 2020 to be your best financial year ever, you need to join Russell Brunson's free masterclass where he shares the exact blueprint of what the top 1% of ClickFunnels users are doing differently that the other 99% are not. Register today at eofire.com slash secrets. That's eofire.com slash secrets. Jody, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Well, hello. I am so delighted to be here with everyone and thank you for listening. So for the what I don't know, I'm going to be, um, it'll be fun. So here we go. Does anybody have a map? Anybody maybe happen to know how the hell to do this? I don't know if you can tell, but this is me just pretending to know. So... Little singing from my favorite Broadway show, Dear Evan Hansen. Most uh, people don't know that I sing. Amazing. I will tell you this, 2,584 episodes, and you're the first person to sing on the show. I am just to the moon, Jody. <laughs> well, I like to be different, so there you go. There it is. Well, listen, Fire Nation, we're going to be talking about will this coronavirus create a data breach in your company? And we brought Jody on the mic. We've talked a lot about, in the introduction, what we will be sharing throughout this episode. But let's just dive in. Because there's a lot to get to, a lot of really important stuff for you, Fire Nation. So please take some notes. What are some clues, Jody, to identify what a phishing email is? Yeah, there's, so there's a couple. And, you know, just to make sure everyone knows what phishing is, phishing, and there's all kinds of other fancy words. It's now come to text messaging. It's like vishing and smishing and mm. I don't know, put a bunch of letters together <laughs> and make it ishing. Um, what happens is I'm impersonating. It looks like I'm a real email, but in actuality, I'm not. I'm kind of spoofing another fancy word, somebody else. And in the last couple months, it's been up 350%. It's wow. a tremendous problem. And it's one of the easiest for you know a bad actor, a threat actor to try and take advantage of. So one of the very easiest places is to look at the the sender. It might say a name that you're familiar with, but you can look at the actual URL of the, or the email address of the sender and you can tell like cdc.gov.org. There is no .org at the end of .gov. Or you know, if it came from Amazon Prime, it's not going to come from Amazon Prime at comcast.net. So you look at that particular one. And if the email's a little sketchy, you're not sure, I highly advise you use the reading pane in most you know, email providers to be able to kind of look for some of these clues. Some of the other ones are poor spelling or grammar. Most emails don't just say, dear customer. They're going to say, dear John, dear Jody. They're going to personalize it. If you get just dear customer, there's probably 
a phishing email. Again, the URL, and you can also look in the footer because they might change the logo. They might change the address. It doesn't look like the standard footer that you're used to getting. There might be attachments. If you get attachments or links on these things, do not click. Don't open the email. Don't click the attachment. Don't click the link. That's how they get all the malware onto your computer. And the other big, big clue is going to be if there's an urgent need or threat, like must act now, open right away, call us within an hour, something like that. Most places that are going to need urgent information are not going to do that. They're going to call you. They're, go- they're going to do other methods or they're going you know, to say, log into your account. And they wouldn't even provide the appropriate link. They would just say, go directly to our website and go do it. So those are going to be some of the really common places to be able to identify a phishing email. And Fire Nation, please don't feel foolish. Like, don't try to hide it if something like this happens to you because it literally can happen to anybody, unfortunately. And I mean, I'm going to call Kate out now. You know, this is a very diligent girl. Like, she is not one to take things lightly or not to investigate things. But I can remember it wasn't too long ago, maybe two or three years, she got an email from, quote unquote, Verizon asking her to verify some things about her account. And guess what? She did that. But then she was like, wait a second, something about that was kind of weird. She went back and it was one of those things where like a couple letters were off, a couple things were off about it. She called the Verizon and like, oh no, we would never like have you do that. Like that's something we would never do. And she had to go through this entire process as a result. And it was a really brutal and annoying time. But at the same, th- at the same time, like, you know, she called herself on it and she took the steps to correct it. So take action when these things happen. You know, obviously it's, it's so important to listen to things that Jody is going to be sharing today to protect yourself, from not having to go that route. But if you do listen at the end of the day, like take positive action on that. And a lot of people talk Jody about two factor authentication, you know, they call it two FA. What's the most important step that we as entrepreneurs, as small business owners can take in this area? Well, first, it's to implement it on every place that offers it. And there's a couple different ways to do it. And first, we're talking about two-factor authentication. People might also hear MFA, multi-factor authentication, same same thing. Uh, Financial institutions, so your bank has it, your credit card companies have it. And there's also some software tools you can use. So there's Google Authenticator. There's one called Authy. But the idea is we're going to talk about passwords, right? But we want we want to have a good, strong password. But let's just pretend someone got past that. Well, the next layer is going to be the two-factor authentication. And it tells you every time someone's trying to log in. You get a notice. And, you know, it's just often like a six-digit one-time passcode that you enter in. And it, it might feel... I'll be honest, when I first did it, it feels a little annoying. You know, now I got this one extra step, but it really is about three extra seconds of annoying and you kind of get used to it. And some of the tools let you use it on multiple devices. Some you just can have on your phone, different ways to, to accommodate. But it's another defense to really make sure that the only people who are getting into your account are you and the people that you want on your team to be getting into certain accounts. And today, so many different places offer the ability to have two-factor authentication. One of the ones that I think people sometimes forget, oh gosh, that would be a really great place to have one, is on your social media accounts. Because you do really want a bad actor coming in and taking over your social media account. We've all worked so hard to build our brands. Well, I want to know if someone from a different place that shouldn't be is accessing that. You can go into 
just about every single um, social media account, set that up. Think about all your different carts and checkout pages. All of those can also have two-factor authentication assigned to them. Fire Nation, three seconds now could save you hundreds of hours later as far as trying to recoup and recover and repair. I mean, what Jody just shared, like I've known people who have had their social media accounts hacked and then people have posted crazy things on it. And guess what? The individuals that that, that person spent years in years building a, as an audience just fled and were gone and are never coming back because they didn't know what was going on and they figured it was either you know a crazy person or this or that but at the end of the day they left they unsubscribed they unfollowed they did those things and it's so brutal to see because so much time so much efforts put into that and when you can just you know spend three seconds to use a two-factor authentication and save all of that, I mean, it literally is a massively brilliant investment. Now, Jody, let's be honest. Your pet's name, password, one, two, three, four, these are all terrible passwords, but people do it every single day of the week. How can we create the best password? So it is true. I mean, people put their passwords on post-it notes and stick it right on their computer (laughs) and do all kinds of really interesting things because there's so many places we need a password. There's a gazillion. How on earth can you remember all of them? And a couple suggestions for passwords. The first is make it a complex phrase. Jody loves purple. Jody loves scissors. I don't know. Jody loves pens. Jody loves whatever. You make a phrase um, and then you can make the phrase a little bit more complex. You can have capital letters and lowercase letters. You can change some of the letters uh, to symbols. So maybe you always make your S a dollar sign. Maybe you always make your I the number one. You can make a system that works for you that you always will remember. And that complex phrase where you then Mix it up where you make some numbers and symbols and capitals that, again, make sense to you is is one of the first ways. The second is to use a password manager like a LastPass, which is what I personally use. I love LastPass. And there's some others like Dashlane and OnePass. And if you're not familiar with what a password manager does, it actually does some really awesome things. It lets you set really complex passwords that you would never, ever remember And it stores it in that central password place. And you then have one master password that needs to be a really good password because it's your absolute master password. And that allows you to get into the account. Now, what's really nice about one of these tools is all of us have different team members who might be you know, helping us. Maybe they're doing social media or maybe they're doing accounting or maybe they're doing um, you know, building pay- landing pages and carts and funnels and all types of other activities. Well, they need access to certain things, but you don't always want to share your actual password. You can share access via one of these tools and they get the access they need without you compromising sharing your password. And the last piece that I'll say is the absolute best connection of passwords is to have both password and two-factor authentication. So I've had the fortunate opportunity to sit on panels and webinars with the United States Secret Service, Mm. which actually is responsible for uh, a big part of their job is electronic crimes. And they will tell you that the best layer of defense is a complex password plus two-factor authentication. 
So Fire Nation, there's a lot here and I really want you to understand that there are tools available. I love that you shared LastPass. That's actually something that I use as well because you picture that moment when somebody is like, okay, like I need to get into your account and it's a team member or somebody you hire or somebody you're working with and so you do need to give them access to that account but you're like, oh my God, I have like the best password and if I give it to them, then it's out there and then I gotta go change everything and it's ruined forever but tools like LastPass allow you to quote unquote share your password without them actually having access to seeing it, but sh- but the LastPass allows you to share access to that account through the tools that they have. And it's really slick. It's really sleek. It works fantastic and allows you to really protect everything that you have going on in your world. Now, let's talk about the why, Jody. Why should companies implement defense in depth? Why should they use that security approach? You kind of think about a, a couple different analogies. So, Imagine like the old days where you had a castle and, you know, the fancy royalty was inside. You had to have lots of layers before someone could enter the castle. Like you'd have the big wall, you'd have a moat, you'd have guards on all corners, you'd have guards at the all the doors, you'd have greeters. It was really hard to make it to the ideal goal, which was the royalty. Or in a fun example, imagine like a Tootsie Pop as when we were kids, or maybe you still ate them now, right? You got to work really hard. How many licks to get to that Tootsie Pop? I can still picture that owl right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's not super easy. If you make it, you know, there are markets where it's someone's job to get personal data. And it's not a matter of if, but when companies of all sizes will have a data breach. And small businesses, about two-thirds of them are likely to suffer a data breach. And of those, many of them will go out of business in six months. And a data breach is expensive. So we want to avoid a data breach. It's expensive. It's up to $200 a record. That's really expensive. It's reputational harm. It's distraction from our business. And a lot of hackers know that small businesses are busy doing all kinds of other things and they're a prime target. I actually had a real, like literally a solopreneur talk to me once and and I gave her a variety of much of what we've talked about today and then came to me and said that her Dropbox and and everything was hacked and you know, small, small business all the way up to big businesses. So we want to protect our data and there are people trying to get at it really hard. That's, that's their goal of trying to get at it. And The more layers we have, the better off we can be to be able to help protect it. So let's take email and kind of tie a lot of what we've talked about. If I I have Microsoft email, if I have Microsoft email, I have a really awesome password. But then I also use the two-factor authentication that Microsoft has. And then I also use some of the additional security controls that Microsoft offers. I've made it a lot harder for someone to try and get into my Microsoft account. The same would be true for any of the other tools that are out there. So the more layers we have, the harder it's going to be. And the last analogy I'll give is kind of imagine, you know, your house and the one that has the um, alarm sign on it. And I'm a burglar. Am I going to go to the one with the alarm sign or the one without the alarm sign? I'm probably going to go try the other one first and then maybe come to yours. So it's kind of the same idea. We want to make it harder for them to come and find us. And that's why these multiple layers, and there's there's more than what we're talking about. Like think about all the people on your team 
and access. Does everyone need access? Or maybe only a couple people need access. And how do you manage that? Or, or if team members come and go, how do you remove them, add them to your systems and remove them from your systems? And what tools are we using? All of these and how we educate employees, all of these are going to be part of our arsenal, our security and privacy program to be able to protect our data. Fire Nation, there's a lot here, but what I really want to encourage everybody listening is just take that first step. You know, start small, do one or two or three of these on a day-to-day basis and just kind of build up to where now your entire platform is covered, but it doesn't have to all be done today. It can be done one at a time, but as long as you're moving forward with a plan and using tools like LastPass and really making sure you're implementing all of these great suggestions that Jody's going through, you're going to get here. So don't be overwhelmed. Just take it one step at a time. And Fire Nation, we're going to be talking about a company's biggest security risk, some hidden threats, and certain laws that obligate companies to protect data as soon as we get back from thinking our sponsors. Hiring can be difficult, but if you're a company that's currently trying to hire, you face new difficulties from safely reopening your doors to finding the right person for a specialized role. Housing Wire could relate. They needed to hire an ambitious reporter to cover news stories on the U.S. mortgage and housing markets. So they turned to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's smart matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And that's how Housing Wire found Alexandra Roja. Alexandra never imagined she could get a reporter job in the midst of COVID-19. Hiring was frozen and the idea of looking for a job was discouraging. So she created a profile on ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter matched Alexandra to Housing Wire's reporting job because her degree and writing skills were a great fit for the role. Housing Wire received her application only four hours after they posted the job, and a few weeks later, Alexandra started her dream career. ZipRecruiter helped Alexandra find the right job, and they helped Housing Wire find the right person for their role fast. See how ZipRecruiter can help you hire. Try it now for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. So Jody, we're back. And before the break, we were kind of teasing what a company's biggest security risk is. What is it? In my view, the biggest security risk is actually the people. And, you know, they're also our biggest strength at the same time, because it's the weakest and strongest link. They're the ones who are, including ourselves, using data all day long. And we're the ones logging into tools and processing personal data. We're collecting emails. We're doing marketing campaigns. We're doing finance and accounting activities. We're prospecting. We're using all of this information and we're logging in and logging out and sharing with all the different folks. And so if employees aren't familiar with what they need to be doing, they might inadvertently send that email, oops, with everyone's personal information on it. Or oops, they might have extracted all the W9s and put it on the share drive for everyone to see. So the employees and making sure that they know how to spot a phishing email, that they know how to set strong passwords, that when they're at home and, you know, in this remote work environment, that they have strong passwords on their Wi-Fi and in their router. And for some people, they might even be using a personal device, right? A lot of companies are using, not a company item where you can kind of wipe it all clean. They might be using a personal. So I'm mixing personal stuff with my work. And so how am I going to protect 
my company data on a personal laptop. Making sure that the employees is understands their role and has that knowledge to be able to use the different tools and ideas that we've been talking about is really critical. And it, it it's the same whether you're a small company or a big global fortune company. Employees are often some of the, the biggest areas where we want to focus and kind of two different places. One is just going to be good hygiene, making sure they know what to do, good safe practices, don't click those bad emails, up, update. I'm sure we've all gotten, you know, those uh, antivirus p- software, making sure that we're, we're scanning and things along those lines, updating all of the different softwares. Like I use Zoom all the time. They have an update every day, I think, going out. Yes, I want to make yes. sure I update all of that. The other is, well, what happens if we had to terminate an employee? You have sort of a disgruntled employee Good situation. Point. And could I take all of the files and sell them to some to somewhere? Mm-hmm. I have sort of an IP situation, but I also have maybe someone who's familiar with the code injects something. So you, you kind of have the disgruntled employee plus just education. So employees are really one of the biggest places that I would start with. Fire Nation people, your biggest risk and your best assets. And just remember the phrase, to err as human, to forgive divine. But you know, when you err as a human in this kind of area, it can really cost a lot. And maybe it could be difficult to forgive. Let's talk about some hidden security threats that may not be really aware to the common eye. Some interesting ones are how people can, Zoom is actually a really interesting example in a lot of the different software and tools. And I'm a huge Zoom proponent, so I don't mean to keep picking on them. But one of the issues was, was it locked down? And could people kind of find their way into it? So it's understanding the different tools and software that you have and making sure it's appropriately secured. An example, a lot of companies build tools on AWS, Amazon Web Services, or they use Google. And they'll say, well, I use them, so I'm, I'm good, I'm secure. And that is true. They are a, a wonderful platform who has high security. The company also has to do a variety of specific steps to make sure that it's secure. It can't only rely on the vendor. And I think a lot of times we, we think, oh, well, the vendor has it all taken care of, or their, the software tool has it all taken care of. And there's there's stuff that we need to do. There might be different settings that we have to make sure that we set, like, do we have a password? Do we have um, two-factor authentication? What are the access controls in place? Uh, do we have any type of network or firewall things that we need to add to it? So there's other steps that we kind of have to do. And Again, kind of talking about this remote work environment, you know, first off, before coronavirus, we had oodles of of companies working remotely. Now we have literally the whole globe working remotely and we have children at home as well. So we have a lot more people that are here and our guard is also down a little bit. So we might be clicking a little bit more on some of those emails. We might be downloading information and going to a variety of different sites to get information we might not have realized. We also, for companies who might have someone who's helping to manage their software and it's sort of like, you know, they've outsourced their IT to, to someone or they have a person who's helping them do that, or maybe they've just taken it on themselves, is to make sure you're always using the right security software and patches. You know, I mentioned before my own Zoom patches, Microsoft is doing it, um, you know, Google is doing it, things along those lines. But you want to be 
remembering who has access to your information and where could the bad actor get into? And have you closed off all the places that you can possibly do, like your home Wi-Fi? Does it have the password that it came with out of the box, which is often password or one, two, three, four, five, six, right? That right there is a really simple one, kind of forgotten about. So change your home Wi-Fi, change your home uh, router to make sure that they're properly protected. Use a VPN, a virtual private network. And there's some great ones that are out there for smaller businesses. We, you know, we kind of talked about the layers of defense. It's another really great layer to add on. It's again, another way to try and prevent the bad actors from making it into our little fiefdom. It like tries to tell them, no, we're closed over here. Don't don't come in uh, and grab my information. So when you add kind of all of those up, you prevent some of the hidden threats, which might be a computer that's vulnerable, easily traceable and found. Other people can access the Wi-Fi and break in. And one of the other kind of fun ones is think about all those IoT devices. Ooh. Your Alexas and Series and Echoes and other robots yes, that you have yeah. going on in your house. Or the ones that have cameras and, and things along those lines. Because they're always listening. Now, they're listening for wake words, but the more wake words they hear, the more they're kind of still always listening. Or maybe they're recording and smart TVs. All these different places is where information is. Or maybe you're even sharing personal information on a text is that text secure, right? iMessage between two iPhones is more secure than between an Android and an iPhone, as an example. What laws are out there that obligate companies to actually protect data? Like, what should we be aware of? So there's a couple. Um, first is GDPR. So I have eight fancy letters that I spent all day long talking about, which is GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, it is EU's data privacy law. It's going to be 2 May 2020. Yeah, so coming up on its second birthday, it obligates companies to protect data. That's part of its definition and in its name. If you don't protect it, it can, uh, it's fine, is up to 4% of global turnover Ooh. or 40 million euro. So a big hearty fine that's there. Plus, you have to report it really quickly and you might be working with customers. So maybe you're kind of a smaller business and you're thinking, well, the GDPR is never going to come after me. But your customers might be bigger customers. And to do business with them, what I find all the time in working with companies is the customer demands that they're responsible and that they'll be able to help them comply. The other really big one that I want to talk about is the California Consumer Privacy Act, affectionately known as CCPA. It became effective January 1st of 2020, and it will be enforceable July 1st of 2020. And that particular law also requires companies to safeguard information. But more than that, if they don't, and there's a data breach, there's the potential for an individual private right of action. So put in class action lawsuit of $100 to $750 per record. That's a lot. Now, imagine the really litigious society we live in. There's just lawyers waiting to pounce on companies that have a data breach and, you know, serve a lawsuit up. Now you got to deal with the lawsuit. You got to deal with whether it's true or not true. You have publicity. You have, you know, a negative connotation. You have all these things. That class action lawsuit is a, a big one where companies really need to pay attention. And kind of the same situation, 
you know, some of our listeners might be kind of a smaller company, but the customers that they're serving are requiring them to comply. And there's a couple other states as well. The New York Shield Act is a new law that requires companies to protect data. Massachusetts has its own. And there's a myriad of other laws that are out there. Anyone in the healthcare space knows about HIPAA. And there's many, many others. And the last point I'll say is to be able, obviously, there's these laws. There's fines. There's consequences. There's the risk of data breach. To start on any of these you have got to understand the data that you have. The first step, so we've talked about how do I protect data from all these security measures. To make sure that you're complying with these laws and that obligate us is you have to understand the data. You have to know what you're collecting, how you're using it, where you're sharing it, how you're storing it to be able to know how to properly protect it, which vendors, which tools, which service providers, which contractors, and even what data you have to really get started. So my first advice is for companies to actually start on what I call a data inventory, a data map, to begin to understand the type of data that they have. So then they can start going upstream to be able to protect it and make sure that they're complying with laws. I love that concept of a data map and Fire Nation. Again, for me, this just goes back to really dropping the overwhelm of all of this. Because if you have a map, guess what? You can just take it one step at a time. You can go piece by piece, byte by byte, site by site, password by password, as you kind of flesh out this whole data map. And one thing I also love you talked about, Jody, was the fact that a lot of customers and consumers, they actually might start demanding these things, even from the smaller businesses, because that's just what they want, because they know the dangers that are out there. So talk about how privacy is actually crucial to customer trust. Yeah, so I this is my favorite part. This is what I love about privacy is it's the differentiator. It's the place where consumers today, 60% of them, two thirds, don't trust companies because they don't feel like their data is being well protected or it's being misused as well. So companies of any size that are able to explain clearly Here's what we here's what we collect from you. Here's why we collect it from you. Here's what we do with it. Here's how we protect it. Hey, we care so much about your privacy and security. We might even make it a feature of what it is that we're talking about. We have a link that explains how we care about your privacy. Those companies have an advantage to the individual, to the consumer, to the customer. And then those that are in the B2B market, like I said, I have seen time and time again companies not get business because they can't comply or they weren't able to comply fast enough. And I also hear from the M&A community a lot or the investor community where they recognize the importance of privacy and security. And so they're investing in companies who put it first, who build privacy into the design of their products and services and offerings and recognize it's just the right way to do business. It's it's transparent. We you know when someone buys a product and a service from you, they're buying it because they think you're going to deliver an amazing product and an amazing service. And we go through a lot of efforts on how to market it and how to make it a wonderful product and service. Well, to get that, I have to give you my information. And in these laws that we just talked about, the The personal data includes me, the consumer. It also includes me, the person at a company. So company data, like the B2B part is included. So when you get Jody's information, 
I'm going to trust that you're going to do the right thing with it. That trust element is so crucial and connected to the brand. It's not just all the brand effort that we do on marketing and making sure we're a solid company and stand behind our products. What we do with the data is equally important. It is your brand. Because if you don't use the data the way I expect, or you have some type of a data breach, am I going to keep doing business with you? Am I going to keep referring you? Probably not. And in this particular era, we're, we're realizing about all the devices that are listening to me and watching me and tracking me. And if I get the right value, I'm un, I understand that, but I can only understand it by how you've communicated. And that is where privacy comes in. That's how you create trust and support in long-term relationships with your customers. Fire Nation, Warren Buffett says it best. I mean, it can take up to 20 years to build trust and five minutes to lose it. So you've been working hard in your business to build up the know, like, and trust of your audience. Don't let some silly, you know, just annoying hacker halfway across the world lose it for you in five minutes. Get that data map ready. Implement these things. It's critical to your long-term success. So Jody, of everything that we've talked about today, give us the one key takeaway that you want to make sure that we really walk away with and then share with us how we can learn more about you from you and any gift or giveaway you have for Fire Nation. Absolutely. So to me, the one step, and I love how you summarized it earlier, which is take a step at a time. We talked about a long list of things and you definitely are not going to do all 10 of them all right now. Pick one, go, go find your accounts and set up two-factor authentication. Then after you set up two-factor authentication, then move on and keep doing the other, you know, multiple other items that we talked about. So just take a step forward and pick something to implement today. And sort of the summary piece I would leave you with is really our last conversation point, which is that your brand is everything to your customer and privacy and building a trust-based relationship. Privacy is an essential element to building that customer trust. So um, absolutely to me, trust and privacy are synonymous with each other. And I would love to connect with you. And so I have built a awesome remote work security best practices guide Yes, that kind of summarizes so much of what we've talked about and lists a bunch of my favorite tools. And it is easily grabbable at redcloveradvisors.com slash fire. Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you've been hanging out with JD and JLD today, so keep up the heat. If you head over to eofire.com and type Jody in the search bar, that's J-O-D-I, her show notes page will pop up with everything we've talked about today, links to all that jazz, best show notes in the biz. And one more time, Jody, where do we get that best practice guide that you created for us? Yes. So the remote work security best practices guide with all kinds of awesome tips and tools, redcloveradvisors.com slash fire. Fire Nation, get over there, grab that guide, assign it to somebody on your team, and guess what? Have them start taking one step at a time. Have that person become the person who's responsible for protecting your business, for protecting your customers, for protecting the future of what you've created. And Jody, thank you so much for sharing this knowledge. It is so critical to building a successful, foundational, long-term business. For that, we salute you, and we will catch you on the flip side. 
Hey, Fire Nation. Today's value bomb content was brought to you by Jody. And one thing that I've identified over the years is that successful entrepreneurs, they're productive, they're disciplined, they are focused human beings. That is why I created the Mastery Journal. It is a gorgeous full leather journal that will ensure that you master productivity, discipline, and focus in 100 days. It's my best work ever, Fire Nation, and I mean that. Visit themasteryjournal.com. Use promo code PODCAST for a $15 discount, and thank you for listening to my podcast. I'll catch you there, or I'll catch you on the flippity flip, 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 flop side. If you want 2020 to be your best financial year ever, you need to join Russell Brunson's free masterclass where he shares the exact blueprint of what the top 1% of ClickFunnels users are doing differently that the other 99% are not. Register today at eofire.com slash secrets. That's eofire.com slash secrets.